Hey guys, I'm so glad that you're joining us this weekend. Um, if this is your first time joining us, I'm glad that you hopped on. My name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Norton Camps of Grace Church. Uh, and I'm glad you're here to join us. And hopefully I get a chance to meet you somewhere in the future. Uh, for a lot of the rest of you who maybe you join us on a weekly basis, glad you're back this week. And uh, let us know how you're doing, right? Uh, but we miss you. But I'm glad we can kind of connect this way. I literally am taping this the morning after the Browns won right? And so this is like a big day, right? And so hopefully you're celebrating wherever you're at and uh, congratulations to all the Browns fans. But we're in this conversation and so you might want to grab a Bible, go to 1 Timothy and just kind of lay that in your lap. We're going to kind of do a flyover of a lot of different passages today, but you can lay 1 Timothy in your lap because the conversation we're having, uh, I would say, is an essential, crucial, timely conversation. We said this last week, catch us up to speed this week, that uh, there's something missing in our culture, it's missing in our country. Something that's missing that if we don't address it, it just might go extinct. And the irony about what's missing is this, the irony is this, the thing that's missing is something that everybody demands and fewer and fewer people seem willing to give it, right? Uh, the signs of what's missing show up every time somebody disparages somebody from a different culture or race, or maybe because they have a different idea, uh, just discount somebody because they belong to a different political party. Shows up every time a child disobeys its parents, uh, a student lashes out at a teacher, right? Shows up every time uh, an employee won't do his work, a boss won't treat his, his uh, employees fairly and equitably. Shows up every time ladies make the ever popular man joke and guys sneak a peek at pornography. Shows up all over the place, right? Shows up in our culture. And so we want to address it. What is it that's missing? Here's what we said is missing. We said the thing that's missing is respect. Is respect. And when we talk about respect, we want to talk about it through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of God's Word. And when we do that, uh, you find that there are two predominant words in the New Testament of the Bible that kind of are translated respect. And here's what we said last week. We said the first word is time, and it just simply means to attribute or acknowledge the value and worth of something. So you look at something and say, wow, I'm looking at that and I, I recognize that is valuable. That's worthwhile. Bill Hybels has a little quote that I wrote here in my notes. Respect is valuing people and then treating them as valuable. So that's what respect is, right? But not only that, there's another word that the New Testament uses, and that's phobia. And that's just attribute honor and attention, right? To recognize roles, God-given roles. And so when you look at the New Testament, that's what it means to respect. But we said the most important question is why? Why respect? And when it comes to a follower of Christ, the reason we respect is not just because grandma told you to. That's a good reason, right? But that's not the reason. The reason is this, is because respect is an expression of my worship to God. It reflects the God I worship and my submission to the leadership of Jesus in my life. When it comes to respect, the church that bears the name of Jesus leads the way. That's what we talked about last week. And so what we want to do is simply build on that foundation and tease this idea of respect through different areas, relationships, dynamics of our culture. Last week, we looked at respect in the home. Next week, tune in, right? I want to talk to you about respect between the genders. But this week, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about generational respect. Respect between generations. Now, generation, I looked this up, is something that's people born and living in the same time period, right? Usually the period of time spans from the birth of the parents to the birth of the children, 20 to 35 year period. 
Uh, right now, there are at least five identifiable generations in our culture. I would even suggest maybe there's six, but there's at least five. This little picture we're gonna show you on the screen kind of gives you an idea of the different names of those generations. Uh, you have the matures, or uh, another name for them is the traditionalist or the silent generation, or I've even heard it called the builders. That's people who were born before 1945. So maybe you're in that, right? Raise your hand if you're in a room, you're in that generation. The next one is the baby boomers, right? Uh, somewhere between 1946 and 1964. And uh, then the next generation, that'd be the generation I'm in, right? Is, is the proverbial middle child, right? The generation Xers, right? And so depending on what you look at, the, they were people who were born 65, 1965 to 1979. Then you have the millennials, right? Millennials somewhere around 1980 to 1996-ish or something along that. And then you have Generation Z. And that is the newest generation. We thought it'd be kind of neat to get somebody from this generation, the traditionalists, the mature, the builders, and set them down to have a conversation with somebody from Generation Z. Watch this. My name is Kyle Friddle and I was born in 2004. My name is good-looking Bob Combs, and I was born in October of 1939. October Buddies. Uh, this right now, the pandemic. <laughs> um, hmm. Haven't been alive that long. I, I remember uh, the Second World War was when I was just, just a small boy. It was like 200 years ago that stuff happened. Text every day, morning and night. Uh, call, FaceTime. Uh, I remember when I was dating Julie in, in the summertime, uh, I would drive about uh, four miles to town uh, and I would go to a, uh, every Saturday night at nine o'clock, uh, I, I would go to uh, a, a payphone. I would get in, get in the booth and call the operator and, and give her the number. And she'd tell me, put in 75 cents. And so I put in 75 cents and said, you have three minutes to talk. And so we would talk for three minutes. And just before the three minutes up, she says, your, your time is up and uh, click. Uh, that was the end of the conversation. Definitely appreciate how much time you guys have put in to everything we've done. Not saying you're old, just <laughs> all the time and energy you guys have put in throughout your guys' entire lifetime, all the way up until now, just to really push us towards the Bible, like I said earlier, and just always make sure we're on a one-way path straight to Jesus. I, I appreciate energy that they have. Uh, if, if you think about it, uh, Kyle, you have more energy than, than, than I do. Uh, and the, the I wouldn't say that. The, we need each other. Yeah. I need your energy. Uh, maybe you need my experience. And, yeah. uh, and, and uh, as we give that to each other, my, uh, it uh, makes for a better world to live in. 
So what's interesting is this. It's fascinating listening to Pastor Bob and uh, and Kyle, right? Generation Z talking with an older generation. What's interesting is there's differences in our generation, right? Uh, the traditionalist, the mature generation, all kinds of things caused them to have a different experience. World War II happened then. Great Depression, right? They were listening to Frank Sinatra, things like that, right? When you get to Generation Z, Kyle's generation, right? You got things like Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and Pinterest, right? Uh, there's all kinds of things. He's not listening to Frank Sinatra more than likely, right? There's like Kanye West and uh, Justin Bieber. All those kind of things change generation to generation. Here's the point of our conversation today. Let's just face it, the generations are different, and we've had different experiences, right? Uh, there's, there's different things that we've gone through, different challenges that we've seen, different technology that was invented in each generation, and sometimes our differences can be something that causes us to disrespect each other. Sometimes what happens in our differences, we stereotype each other, Right? We begin to stereotype the older generation, or maybe the older generation begins to stereotype the younger generation. Sometimes our differences cause us to ignore each other. Sometimes they cause us to complain about each other. Sometimes they, they cause us to irritate each other, right? And so that's what I want to talk about for a little bit today, is how in the world do we go from disrespecting each other in our generations to somehow showing respect to each other? I don't know how you grew up, but I can tell you this, I grew up, and it didn't really matter, I mean, no matter what God had to say about it, no matter what the Bible had to say about it, I grew up in a home where I had a mom who was absolutely certain I was going to respect the older generation. I remember like it was yesterday, sitting in church with my mom. We were sitting there, and my mom used to make me wear this little tie. You clipped it on, right? And I'd roll it up and down. That's what I did to pass the time, right? And I remember this older lady came and sat behind me. I had to be all of eight, seven, or eight at the time. She sat right behind me, and this is what she said to me, right? She said, good morning, Danny. That's what she said. And I remember, I turned around. I do not know what inspired me to do this. But I remember I turned around. Her name was Donna. And I remember I turned around and I said, shut up. Donna, that's what I said. My mama heard me say that, right? And I can tell, all I remember is my mom, my mom's fingernails dug into my arms. My feet didn't touch the ground the whole way to the back of that auditorium, right? My mom wanted to make sure that I was going to respect the next generation, right? Now, I'm not suggesting anybody go do as I did, right? But I learned that from my mom. But God has something to say about it. Let me show you two passages real quick, and then I want to tease this out. Leviticus 19. So you can begin to see the heart of God as he's talking to the children of Israel. And here's what he says. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly. Right? There's our word. And revere your God. I am the Lord, he says. It's fascinating, right? That respect, even for the older generation, is somehow even tied to our worship of God. But he says, revere the Lord. And then when you get to the New Testament, something interesting happens because God shows up in the flesh. His name's Jesus, right? And here's what it says in Matthew 19. Then people brought little children to Jesus, right? For him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. They didn't respect them. They rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. 
This reminds me of this, and, and then I want to tease out some practical application. Respect is an expression of my worship to God, and it is a, an expression of my submission to the leadership of Jesus in my life. Here's the deal. A people where the younger generation sees the value of the older generation and attributes honor and respect and attention to them because they worship God and are following Jesus. It is a people where the older generation sees the value and the treasure of the younger generation and attributes worth and even attention to them because they worship God, the greatness of God, and they follow the leadership of Jesus. That's why you have your Bible open to First and Second Timothy. Because here's what, we're not going to look at all, all First and Second Timothy, but here's what First and Second Timothy is. It is a letter written from an older pastor to a younger pastor, Paul to Timothy. And he takes time to stress that respect is something that results when the gospel is lived out. And so he's going to answer this question for us. Here's the question we're going to answer for the rest of our time together, right? How do the generations respect each other? What does it look like when there's generational respect? And I simply want to look at a couple principles from Paul's letter to his young leader, Timothy. And I want to draw these principles out. So no matter where you're at in the generational continuum, I think there's things to apply. Now for me, I'm a tweener, right? I'm a, I'm a middle child. I'm a Gen Xer. So that means I can apply principles to the older generation and to the younger, right? Most of you will be able to do that. If there's a generation above you and below you, you're going to be able to apply all the principles. If there's no generation above you, right? If you're like the, as old as it gets, right? You ain't got to apply half of this probably, right? That's not the way it works. So, but I want to start with the older generation, right? And what does it mean for us to respect the younger generation? I think in the older generation, the most important thing that, that we have to begin with in respecting the younger generation is this, that I got to start to remember, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I forget. Anybody with me? Raise your hand, right? <laughs> like, like you can go down the stairs, and then you find yourself at the bottom of the stairs, and you're like, did I just come down the stairs, or was I getting ready to go up the stairs? Anybody with me, right? Or I don't know about you, but, but if, if your grandkids or somebody like guess got you to get on a computer, and all these different things want passwords, how many of you always are forgetting your password, right? Like, like the older I get, the more I forget, right? But when it comes to respecting the younger generation, I think the place to begin is to remember. Here's the principle. I'd write it down this way. Older generation, don't forget you were them. Don't forget when you look at the younger generation that you were them. It is easy to forget that at one time we were the younger generation right? Sometimes we almost look with contempt or impatience on the younger generation, and we forget that at one time that's exactly where we stood, right? Uh, there's, there's something, I've shared this before with you, there's something called the freshman principle. You got to write that down and look it up, but, but, but the freshman principle says this, that, that when you came to high school and you were the freshman, you thought you were all that in a bag of chips, right? I mean, I can do anything anybody else can do, right? I know, and I can, and you had this like bravado about you. But something interesting happens. As you go through school, right? You know it, right? Because then when you become the senior and you see the next crop of freshmen coming in, what do you think to yourself? Well, man, they look smaller. They don't look nearly as bright as when we were freshmen, right? Like there's this freshman principle that happens that as you get older and become a senior, all of a sudden you look at the freshman with a little more disdain. Why? You forget you once were them. When you read Paul's letter to Timothy, I think one of the keys of his ministry is this. Paul seemed to have this interesting 
ability not to forget where he came from. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 1. He says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me the strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to a service. And then he says this, because I know who I was. Even though I once was a blasphemer, even though I once was a persecutor, even though I was a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. There was a time when I acted that way. He said, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul didn't forget where he came from, who he was. He didn't forget his story. Older generation, can I challenge you this way? Can I implore you? Don't forget that you at one time were young. Don't forget that at one time your ideas seemed naive to an older generation. Do your best to remember that there was a time when you thought you knew it all, right? There was a time when you had all of these ideas just like the younger idea, the younger generation. Don't forget that there were things that irritated the older generation about you. Don't forget that there were things that the generation beyond you didn't appreciate. They didn't always appreciate your style. They didn't always appreciate the way you dressed. They didn't always get it, right? They didn't always get your music, right? Just remember that when you look at the younger generation, whatever that is, the generation or generations under you, you were them. And here's the thing. When you begin to remember that, all of a sudden, it changes the way you look at them. You begin to look in their eyes and you see you, right? I think there's another principle <clears throat> that the, is the older generation Paul illustrates for us. It's found in the end of 2 Timothy. So if you've got your Bibles and want to flip there, you can. But this is the end of his second letter. And Paul is getting to the end of his life and his ministry. Here's what he says. He says, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all to all those who longed for his appearing. Love that. He's like, man, I am going to finish this race. I'm going to run through the tape. I'm not going to stop before I'm done, so to speak. Paul's words stand in stark contrast to something I read out of a book by a guy named John Piper. He was quoting from a 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, February 1998 edition, told about a couple, listen to this, who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast, it says, five years ago. He took early retirement when he was 59, she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot boat, play softball, and collect shells. John Piper goes on to write this. At first, when I read it, I thought it might be a joke. He said, I thought it might be a spoof on the American dream, but he says it wasn't. Tragically, this was their dream. To come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. 
He goes on to say, picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? What a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over against that, John Piper says, I put my protest, don't buy it. Don't waste your life. What he's saying is this, it's easy to buy in to the American dream mentality and lose a kingdom perspective. Older generation, here's the principle. Don't be satisfied with collecting shells. Instead, finish strong. Instead, finish strong. I've heard many times people say, maybe you've said this, and I get it, but maybe you've said it. I've put in my time, now it's somebody else's turn. That's nowhere the mentality of God. That's nowhere the spirit of Jesus. I've heard people from older generations say things like this. I cannot do what I used to do, so I don't think I'll do anything. Or it's time for me to now focus on me. I want to tell you something. If you're from an older generation, you determine who I'm talking to here, right? But when you stop contributing, you start complaining. When you stop investing your life, here's what happens. You start idolizing the wrong things. When you stop giving your life away, listen to me, you start dying. Honest to goodness, I believe this. Respect is not walking off the job until you're done. And here's what God would say. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. That's what he would say. I remember growing up, I woke up every morning to this plaque on the wall. It's so emblazed in my mind and my heart. But I think it is a powerful, powerful little phrase. And the phrase goes like this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life going to soon be gone, right? But only what's done for Christ will last. I think there's something else, older generation, that I would say to you, and that's this. Older generation, here's the principle. I would encourage and implore you to share your story with the younger generation without expecting them to relive it. Share your story humbly with the next generation without expecting them to relive it. One of the saddest verses in all the Bible is found in Judges 2. Verse 10, it says, After that, a generation died, another generation grew up who didn't acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. They forgot to share their story with the next generation. Paul, in his letter to this young Timothy, stands in stark contrast to that. Look at 2 Timothy 3. We'll throw it on the screen. You, however, Timothy, young guy, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose. You know about my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. You know what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and the persecutions I endured. It's like, Timothy, you you know my story. Like He's looking at Timothy and saying, I want you to pastor this church, but I want you to know, you know my story. And I want somehow the experiences that I've been through to somehow influence you, to help you, to encourage you. Older generation, share your experiences with the younger generation. Can I say it this way? Can I say it this way? Don't just tell them what to do. Tell them what you did. Honestly, 
This generation loves stories. Don't just tell them what to do. Tell them what you did. Tell them about the challenges that you faced. Tell them about the times you failed and how you rebounded, right? Tell them how God showed up in your life. Make sure you tell them how you came into relationship with Jesus. They need to hear, I, I, if you're older than me, I want to hear your story. I long to hear your story. Here's the key. Humbly share your story. Don't expect them to relive your story, right? They don't need to relive your story. Share your story to influence their life, not to control their life, right? The truth of the matter is their world's different. If they're a generation, their world's different. The technology's different. The challenges are different. Church is going to look different. <laughs> but you share your story so that you can influence their story. We need to hear your story. I love, one of the things I love, I'm just going to share this with you. You can just file it away. I love to see boomers and builders and Gen Xers who invest in Grace Student Ministries and Power Kids. I meet so many older people, it's like, oh man, I have to leave that for the younger people. And I would say this, we have a, bunch, we have a young generation that is hungry, thirsty to hear the stories of, a, of an older generation. And I love to see when there's older people that are just pouring into. Last principle I say older generation is this. I think it's 2 Timothy 1, Paul is talking to this young Timothy. He says, This reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us, doesn't make us timid, he says, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When I read this, here's what I think to myself. Paul's at the end of his life, and he will not, he will not let it go. He wants to inspire this young man, Timothy, to make a difference. Here's the principle. I'd write it down this way. Older generation, inspire them to make a difference in their world instead of always complaining that their world is different, right? Sometimes we as an older generation, I'll just throw myself in there. We can like, oh man, this, you know, the world's different, right? Technology's different. Music's different. Styles, everything's different, right? We can get so focused on that that we lose the opportunity. Paul was inspiring this guy to make a difference. Timothy, I honestly believe that this generation of young people want to make a difference. And they're looking for people who will show up to inspire them, encourage them, clap for them, pray for them. Here, here's what I would say, older generation. Resist stereotyping the younger generations. I would go further than that, reject it, and begin looking for the treasure in them. When you begin stereotyping them, you generalize, and that's just not fair, and it's disrespectful. I'll hear people say to me all the time, you know, you know, those millennials, they're lazy. No, they're not. No, they're not. Some of the hardest workers I have are millennials. Some of the creative people I have are millennials. You see, as an older generation, and I'm not a millennial, when we begin to stereotype a younger generation... All of a sudden, we stop inspiring them. We start irritating them. But what Paul was doing is he was inspiring them to make a difference in their world, right? Take the time to care about them and to care about what they care about. Understand them. Learn to ask them questions. 
I will tell you this, when I ask the youngins on our staff questions, there is such a wealth and a depth there of things that actually bless me, encourage me, teach me. You see, here's the deal. I want to inspire them to make a difference in their world. Just like I needed people to inspire me. Begs the question then, what about the younger generation? That's four principles for the older generation. What about the younger generation? Here's how I begin with the younger generation. Write this down somewhere. Younger generation. Don't forget. You got to remember too. But don't forget you will be them. Right? They, if you're in the older generation, when you look at the younger generation, you were them. But younger generation, you will be them. It's easy when you're young to think you'll never get old. And sometimes we can wish our life away. I read this somewhere. Uh, this is interesting. I don't even know who wrote it. But it says, uh, first I was dying to finish high school and start college. Then I was dying to finish college and start working. Then I was dying to marry and have children. Then I was dying for my children to grow old enough for school so I could return to work. Then I was dying to retire. And now I'm dying. <laughs> and suddenly I realize I forgot to live. That's interesting to me. Something, life comes at you fast. And, and before you blink. Literally, you blink and you realize, oh, now I'm the old guy driving slow down the road. <laughs> like, like you blink and now I'm the old guy who's embarrassing my teenage daughter with what I'm wearing, right? Or what I'm saying. Like, like you blink and all of a sudden you realize, now I, right? I have blinked. And many of you know my story. My, my mom passed away. My dad's been gone. Now in my immediate family, in my immediate family, I'm part of the older, oldest generation living. And there's a part of it that's like, how did that happen? It reminds me of what Moses said in Psalm 90. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's the principle, younger generation, you got to count your days to make your days count. You can't just wish for someday and miss the one day you've been promised, and that's today, right? But when I think about, when I think about the fact that I look at the older generation and, and I will be them, it makes me think of something Jesus said in the very first recorded sermon of Jesus. And this is interesting to me. He's talking about loving your enemies and blessing those who persecute you. But the enemy says something interesting that I think applies to what I'm saying here. I really do. He says this in Luke 6. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you. When I think about respecting the older generation, I think respecting the older generation is remembering that I'm going to be them. And when I remember that, I, all of a sudden, respecting them, is I got to ask myself, am I treating them the way that I hope and wish to be treated someday when I'm them? Can I tell you something? For a lot of people, for a lot of people, one of their biggest fears is to be irrelevant, discounted, they don't matter. See, when I think about the older generation, uh, I think about what it means for me to make sure they know they matter, they're relevant, they're not discounted. Because I know this, that when, when I'm in that generation, I sure hope somebody is treating me that way. There's something else that's interesting. Every study that I did of these generations, uh, there's stereotypes, you know, that begin to take place. For instance, one of the stereotypes is this, that all the studies I looked at, 
Uh, one of the things that stood out stereotypically was the younger that the generation went, the more entitled they felt, right? Well, that's true or not, I don't know. But, but there's stereotypes with each generation. And so what I would say to the younger generation is this, we can sit and we can fight against stereotypes. Like, we shouldn't have people that are stereotyping us. But Paul gave a principle to Timothy, and here's the principle, and I want to show it to you. Younger generation, throw off stereotypes. How? By setting an example. By setting an example. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. First, he says this in 1 Timothy 4. He says, verse 12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But instead, right, throw off the stereotype, set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and life, love and faith and purity. He's basically saying, don't sit back and live into the stereotypes, but he's saying, set the example in your conduct and your character. Young people, I say this, don't sell yourself short. And, 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 and don't sit back and expect. But what he's saying is, stand up and set an example. And just as I would implore the older generation, don't be satisfied collecting seashells, right? I would say to the younger generation, don't be satisfied living into stereotypes. Over and over and over again throughout the story of God, God uses young people to make a difference for the gospel and his kingdom. Over and over and over again in history, you see. And I would challenge you to apply your energy to something deeper, to aspire to something greater. Give your life to something significant. That's what he's saying. There's something else that I think is interesting when I think about the younger generation. And if I could say it this way, younger generation, humbly learn from the older generation's stories as you live out your story. Those who are younger, I think uh, it is in respect is in recognizing the treasure chest of valuable resource that's around us in the lives of the older generation. Here's the way Paul said it to Timothy. He said, hey, Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Why? Because you know those whom you learned it. And, and, and he references earlier that he had a mom and a grandma that invested their life in Timothy. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's just be honest for a second. Younger generation, sometimes we can discount the older generation. We can almost stereotype them. They're out of touch. That just because they don't know how to set their iPhone up, they don't know anything, right? Sometimes that can happen, right? By the way, I have to have somebody help me set my iPhone up. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? But, but, but the truth is, the truth is, not only is that disrespectful, but I think it sells us short. We miss a great opportunity. Imagine going on a trip. Just imagine this. This incredible trip where you have seen some of the most mind-blowing scenery on, on God's earth. Imagine in the middle of that trip you met some of the, the most incredible people. Imagine on that trip you had some significant, significant challenges that you had to weather. Imagine coming back from that trip, maybe a month or whatever it might be, and imagine all throughout your trip you took pictures of the challenges that you faced. 
You took pictures of the people that you met. You took pictures of the scenery that you saw. You took pictures of the places you went. What would you want to do when you return home? You would want to show your pictures and share your experience, wouldn't you? Younger generation, sitting all around of you in our church, maybe in your home, in our community, are people who have a treasure chest of pictures of things they've experienced, people they've met, challenges they've weathered, and they're waiting for you to ask so they can show you their pictures. I will speak as somebody who is in an older generation than some of you maybe that are listening to this. I don't know. But I will tell you this. One of the things I love, one of the things that actually speaks great respect into my life is when one of these young guys up and down the hall sits down and they just begin to ask me questions. They care enough to want to know about the stories of my life. And when I get the chance to show them the pictures, so to speak, and tell them about the challenges, and tell them about the victories, and begin to tell them about the people that I've met along the way. The last thing I would say, younger generation, is this. I would simply say the last principle is honor them for the difference they've made in the world. Here's what I mean by that. I think respect is in honoring the older generation for the, for the difference they've made. And I think Paul gives Timothy two different ways to do this. Uh, first is this. He says it comes when the, the family and then the church family cares for the needs of the older. Look what it says, 1 Timothy 5. Give proper recognition, by the way, that's time, the word for value, respect, to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Guys, I just need to tell you this. This is a deep conviction of mine, but I think as followers of Jesus, we lead the way in a culture where there's disrespect by the way we take care of our parents and grandparents. I'm just going to say it. By the way we take care of them, pay attention to them. For some of you, maybe the application is go call your grandma. She might be waiting just to talk to somebody and, and realize her life matters. Take the time to make sure their needs are cared for. I think that's what he's saying. The Church of Jesus Christ leads the way in that. There's one more thing he says, and that's in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. He says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor and respect. What's he talking about? Well, the principle is simply this. He's saying honor those who are making a difference. He's saying honor those who make a difference in your life. Make sure you thank them. Make sure they recognize that. I can tell you this. I literally stand on the shoulders of a man named John and a lady named Betty, my mom and my dad. I can tell you that I stand on the shoulders of an older man named Kenny. He decided to teach a fourth grade boys class. He was, he, he was not cool by any stretch of the imagination. 
And yet he shared the good news of Jesus, and it was in that class where I gave my heart and life to Jesus. I stand on the shoulders of a white-haired, kind of heavy-set lady named Iva who taught me the Bible. I stand on the shoulders of a guy named Bruce who took the time just to show up to football practice and began to call out in me leadership. I stand on the shoulders of a guy named Dave who when everybody else told me not to go, not to go, I was too young. I didn't know enough. I didn't have enough experience. He said, you go, and I'll help you any way I can. I stand on the shoulders of a guy, a little guy named Bob, who tapped me on the shoulder and he says, I believe, I believe that you can come and take what I've led for quite a while. I think you can lead it the next leg of the journey. You see, all of us have guys on whose shoulders we stand, and even as a church, do you know that? Even as a church, we stand on the shoulders of lots of people who've invested before us. Those people walking around with canes, those people that are going up and down the hall slow, those are people who decided to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars so that you and I could be a part of this movement of the gospel. Those are people who have Many of them devoted hundreds of hours in praying. Some of them dared to make decisions that seemed crazy at the time, but they were steps of faith so that you and I could be impacted and influenced by the gospel. See, I think that's all Paul's saying, younger generation. He's saying that it's important for us to honor them, to say thank you, to write them a note, to when you pass them in the hallway, Acknowledge they're there and thank them for their sacrifice and their investment. You see, when I look at it, you know what the core ingredient of respect is? Selflessness. Isn't it amazing? Respect is something we all demand and few give. And I think what Paul might be saying is that if we focused on giving it instead of sitting back and demanding it, something revolutionary might happen where the church of Jesus Christ as an expression of worship to God and submission to the leadership of Jesus might lead the way when it comes to respect. So Father, help us to do that. Help us as a younger generation to respect an older generation and help us as an older generation to respect a younger generation. And I pray as that happens, a movement of the gospel would make a difference in a culture that desperately needs to see a picture of respect that comes because we worship you and follow Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.